Welcome to Growing Unicorns, where every week, Holly Chen, Eli Rubel, and me, Karina Edwards, come together with some fun guest hosts at a live interactive discussion where we unpack stories from the trenches while we're working with some of the fastest growing unicorns today. All right. Well, episode 11, nuts. I feel like, I don't know about you, Holly, but I feel like we just started this like yesterday. So super pumped. Um, Episode 11, Holly and I are going to talk about a bunch of different things. Um, So Natalie or anyone, just feel free to like jump in if you have questions um, or if you want to take it further in a specific direction. I would love to start, I think, on the topic of, you know, hiring profiles for people on the growth team or for people that are coming up in the growth industry? Like, how do you get there? Like, what is the right path? Is there just one path? Um, I think last week we talked with Julia about like what her path looked like into growth. Um, And I think Holly, everyone is dying to know, you know, about your path. Um, Me, I'm everyone. Um, And then just hearing like that story. And I think, um, yeah, I would love for us to kick off with that. Um, I can I can start and I would love to hear your story, uh, Karina. It's uh, and Natalie as well. So um, I, I, I don't think there is any major in university necessarily that prepare like that says, oh, like you're studying the major of like growth. Um, yeah. And then I, I think majority of the people who work in growth uh, don't even have a marketing degree or, you know, business or economy degree necessarily. Um, a lot of us um, stumbled into this, uh, this just like at work uh, and uh, being for, being uh, at the right place at the right time. Um, I, for one, uh, was a Italian major in college, uh, and then I studied uh, I studied uh, literature in you know Italy, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, like language. And I was a simultaneous translator between Chinese and Italian. Uh, was a tour guide, uh, taking a bus of Italian. Tour- to go to the Great Wall. Uh, so, <laughs> love this. Very fond memories. Um, and then uh, I, I figured I like I don't want to just repeat what other people say. I want to have my own voice, uh, and that's why I, I wanted to go to grad school. Um, I did a master's in European studies uh, in Washington D.C of all places to study Europe. Uh, <laughs> my, yeah, my, my, my justification was uh, it's more neutral to study at a third continent. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Back then, still, you know, our, our international study was, was still quite, quite, quite good. Um, I had a great experience, um, but pretty soon I found, I, I wanted to like work at international organizations, uh, but I did an internship at the UN and I realized um, it is a very long-term effort to change a lot of the social issues. Uh, I was doing research on healthcare policy in developing countries and like all very rewarding work. Um, but 
It is um, going to take you know 20 years, 30 years or longer to change um, policies um, significantly, uh, especially in that context. Um, and I, I am rewarded by uh, work and out, like input and output. <laughs> so I want to say. <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of the uh, people in growth probably have that tendency, right? Like we want to know what we put in, uh, what's the result, um, you know, in a, in a fast, fast manner versus waiting for another year or two. Um, and that's why um, fast iteration, experimentation, uh, and um, like a trying things um, and innovate on things is, is a trait, um, I think, in a lot of people uh, who work in growth. Um, so, yeah, so I went into consulting uh, initially uh, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, I did strategy consulting for, for three and a half years, and that really helped me to hone uh, a lot of the critical thinking and um, foundational business knowledge. Um, at the time, some projects were more interesting than others, but looking back, every project uh, in its own way has been really really informative uh, in understanding a lot of the things. And then, yeah, so uh, after consulting, I went to a startup and that's the the first uh, more of a startup-y work I was doing. So I first started uh, to do affiliate marketing because uh, they needed someone to figure out how, like their, their business model is um, affiliate uh, model. Um, so I was the one who's like contacting the different affiliates to, to get yeah. a work. Um, and, and pretty soon I realized um, without a good product, uh, we can, you know, try to make a deal, but um, the conversion, the conversion is not going to be very high. Um, there's not going to be the volume of traffic we need to make that business model work. Um, so, um, and they didn't have a product manager at the time. So I went into product uh, to, to take on the more uh, product development, uh, user research, um, and um, overseeing both product and marketing. And that was really um, scrappy uh, in a way where like, you know, you have uh, you have this initial. Um, I, I was the first business hire, and my team is pretty uh, small, uh, and we worked on everything um, and tried a lot of things. Um, uh, and and, and customer centric approach was uh, in a very rudimental way, and like I didn't know how it was called customer centric yeah. or whatever. I was like, let's just like talk to some users and. <laughs> Or what they real things for the customers. Yeah. <laughs> it's also straightforward. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think marketers are really good at creating like names. Uh, marketers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually very, very foundational things. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I, how I got into like product and marketing, and then you know uh, after that like Google and Slack, it was all all uh, came from there. That's awesome. So, how did you go from like startup world to Google? Uh, at the time, I was living in New York for seven years, and uh, my next step is either to go to 
Westchester and get a house and a dog uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or like, you know, try something new in San Francisco and Silicon Valley seems to be a really amazing place, especially uh, if you work in tech. Um, so uh, the Google opportunity came about um, and I wasn't planning to move, uh, but figured I'll, I'll, I'll try it out uh, for like maybe a year or two. Uh, and I ended up uh, staying for four years um, and really, really amazing experience and worked on both B2B and B2C. Um, and and um, I think the biggest learning from Google is uh, how do you work on volume? Mm. Uh, because every Google product is it, it maybe at a at a small startup, it's okay to have like a ten thousand traffic or like you know hundred thousand. Uh, it's it's already very good. But at Google scale, if you stay at at that like a ten to to hundred thousand, um, the the project is gonna get killed. Right. So like uh, the the idea from the very beginning is to how do we create um, a scalable business um, that can be you know millions and billions of um of revenue uh and how do you design your products uh, from early days um so that that's um naturally has this tension between let's try things out uh and build it really fast and um how do we reach google scale um, so I learned a lot about like how to operate in that dichotomy uh, and how to think about uh, what we need now and what we need uh, six months or 12 months from now. Amazing. Okay. And then Google to Slack. Um, Slack was uh, primarily, I worked in uh, Google's like website strategy, worked on uh, Google stores um, as, a, a, as the head of growth. Um, and I, I, I learned like, Initially, I wasn't uh, only focusing on growth, uh, but as uh, as the project launched, uh, what we needed was to basically get users, get revenue, and that was what we lacked. And that's how I got into uh, really thinking through user acquisition, uh, growing revenue, because it's e-commerce. It's almost like the same uh, the same realm. Uh, there's no a clear uh, say. Oh, product is only care. like a product. Marketing works on acquisition. Product works on retention, monetization. It's the same thing because your product is the website. Um, and uh, in there, um, working very closely with product and and. And thinking through uh, once we get people to visit the um, this, the, the website, um, how do we convert them? How do we keep them? How do we keep them to come back? And that that was really um, interesting. Um, there's lots of experimentation, of course, for e-commerce especially. Um, there's uh, quick feedback because uh, you know, like. Uh, whether whether people purchase and and what's really interesting for a Google Store was you have um, a pretty interesting mix of different types of products. You have a $600 uh, Pixel phone and you have a $35 Chromecast. Um, and as a as an e-commerce business, how do you um, optimize? What what? Well, first of all, what do you optimize? Um, do you optimize for revenue, uh, for units sold, uh, or for profit margin? Right? The, uh, and and the, the the mix or your marketing strategy and product strategy is different uh, if you optimize for for different goals. 
Um, and, and we ended up optimizing for different goals at different stages, uh, which is like really, really interesting, like problem to, to think about. Um, and then uh, for for Slack, um, I like I really want to continue doing that. And the Slack opportunity came about, um, and and I thought it's interesting to uh, to work at an earlier stage company. I, I love the um, I love the building and figuring things out part. Um, so the Slack opportunity was really attractive, um, and. Um, yeah, and, and help them to build out a, a, a lot of the uh, initial uh, infrastructure uh, and then and team. Amazing. Love it. It's so fun to hear about just like everyone's path because it's never, I think what everyone has placed in their mind of like, okay, if you want to be, you know, head of growth one day, or if you want to have this path, like here are the steps. Um, so I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, especially people of my generation. <laughs> 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 I think very few of us were like, I want to work on growth. Mm-hmm. It's all like we were working on something else. Uh, <clears throat> and um, I, the, the typical profile I've seen um, is no typical profile. So there's engineers uh, who, um, who was working on the website. And then they're like, oh, this is interesting to actually test out uh, different uh, landing pages. And then they got into more of the product management uh, and then got into the growth type of um, product management. They ended up doing a lot of the experimentation and and, and stuff. Um, Another profile I see is um, analysts. Um, So analysts do a lot of the data analysis on user behavior, uh, on how how user uh, change over time and cohort analysis. All of those are foundations of growth. And from the data, there's a lot of insights where um, you can can do, you can test out. Um, So analysts is is a is a like a, a big source of uh, of uh, growth folks, um, and then um, I think marketers who are um, not traditionally the the PR comms type of profiles, but more the the, the quantitative driven profiles. People who um, used to work in um, it, like agency, like ad agencies or um, user acquisition uh, roles, uh, SEO um, folks uh, tend to tend to be another um, big, big type of uh, profiles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I How was your, that? How was your path? Yeah, I feel similar in that it was like not planned at all. And I, when I was in school, so I went to school in at UNLV and I was an econ major and like a lot of the path for econ majors there is like, go work for one of the big casinos as an analyst. And there's just a lot of like, floor data and things like that, that the casinos need. So that was really like, okay, I'm just going to do that and then like, see what happens. (laughs) Um, And so it was like my senior year, I got an internship just randomly through a friend who was like, Hey, like this sounds fun. They need an analyst. Like they're a startup. And I was like, I don't even really know what startup life means. Like, sure. I'll try it. And so, yeah, they were a startup and I was doing data analyst stuff for them. Like they, where their product was compiling like a lot of government data that was typically on paper. Like, how do we get that to be digital? And then how do we run some like analysis? And so I came in and just helped them like foundationally start that side of the product. And then of course, naturally startup world, it was like, so there's this thing called marketing. Like 
we should probably do this. Like who wants to take a stab at it? And I was like, I'll try it. And then that was kind of like my first entrance into like advertising and just marketing as a whole. And I was like, I actually love this. Like it's a combination of both. Like I'm very introverted and extroverted. So it was that still like behind the computer, like quantitative data analysis, but also like the creative, like art side and like understanding people and almost like psychology with the marketing. So from there, I was there for a couple of years And then I moved to Oregon and I went and worked for Yahoo as like an ad ops specialist. Um, And so that was like heavy book of business, like running multiple, you know, ad accounts and things like that with their Yahoo product. Um, And then from there, I got an opportunity to work for a company that was like a trucking technology company. They had no website. Everything was like offline. They were extremely profitable. Um, and their focus was to sell. They basically sold their product to like third-party channel distributors who then sold to the end users. And I was like, and all of their marketing efforts, sales ex- efforts were directly through those channel partners. And I was like, well, why are we not doing any marketing to the end users? We have no website, we have no ads, we have nothing. Like everything was just like trade shows and like drop off some paper printers at like, you know, some of the channel partner stores. And I'm like, just like you, Holly, like I love building. I'm like, let me have my hands on everything. I built the website from scratch and just like literally Frankenstein everything. Um, and from there, we grew revenue like 25% year over year for two years in a row, just from like basically going online and just advertising to end users. Um, and so from there, I was like, I love this. And I loved just the concept of like having very little to work with and being scrappy and builder. And then I went and worked for Lytics, which was a customer data platform. I joined there when I was, I think it was like seven months pregnant. And I was like, you know what? Time for a change. Why not now? Um, joined Lytics and um, one of my good friends now, Matt Cannell, was the one who hired me. And he was director of management at the time. And I joined as digital marketing manager. And same thing. He was like, we like, it's just me. I need help. All things like basically what is now performance. And so I helped them like start all of their ad accounts. SEO, like all of those efforts. Um, and then he left me shortly after. And so they were like, do you know what demand gen is? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so ran that. And yeah, I mean, everything is basically like, and that's generally my advice to everyone is like, there's an opportunity, especially if you're like earlier on in your career, like say yes, jump on it and just kind of figure it out. And um, I'm just mostly like a self teaching type of person. And that's how I learn best. Um, so then, yeah. And then from there, it was kind of like learning all things to me and Jen, but it was great because I always had like this B2C background of like digital and performance that I could bring into more of like the enterprise demand gen side of the world. So it's been interesting to see this like almost cross section of demand gen and growth where at some companies it feels like they want to blend those two things together but yeah, I just think it's dependent on your product and your ACV and things like that. But yeah. And then from there, the company that that I was at, that I helped just build like all marketing stuff, website, things like that. They're like, Hey, you left. We kind of think we need a sales team now. And can you help us figure out like how to hire and who to hire for a marketing side? So I went there into the stint and just helped them build their sales team um, and get that engine rolling. And that was like 
the demand gen side of the business and then marketing. And then I met Eli at Mattermade and I was like, you know what? This sounds amazing. Like, because I'm a builder, I really like to come in and like, tell me all the problems and like, let's figure out how we can approach everything. And yeah, I'm like forever learner. And yeah, I think for me, advice is just like, there isn't a path, but make your path. Yeah. What, what I'm hearing from you and, and from a lot of other uh, gross folks is like the, the curiosity and the desire uh, and thirst for learning is a huge common uh, trait for, for gross folks. And I think being like not afraid of risk is a big thing too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think in growth, there is a lot of risk taking, like let's test this thing. Let's run this experiment that could completely not work. Hopefully it does. Hopefully we've done the legwork so that the percentage of it working is probably better. But yeah, I think not being afraid of risk is definitely a profile trait. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's like um, if I, I say if uh, half of your uh, experiments are successful, you're not taking enough risks. Uh, and, and it's so easy, especially for um, high achieving uh, folks, uh, driven uh, driven people, um, seeing something didn't pan out as we thought it would uh, can be really hard. Uh, and it's easy to um, take that uh, as a fail, like a failure for ourselves. Um, so, uh, it's, it's really important to remember, oh, this is just like new information, uh, yeah. that I know this hypothesis didn't work. It's not like I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I am wrong. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, I think that's a perfect segue into just like, there is predictability, but then there's also not like in growth, especially for earlier stage companies where there's not a lot of historical data or maybe it's like a completely horizontal product. So they're like industry stuff is kind of even hard to benchmark off of. Um, I would love to hear Holly, just like early stage company hasn't even entered the market yet from like any performance side or like paid media. Like what is, would you say that like, here's the channel mix you start with? It's a template, take this and run with it. Or like, what? How do you approach it? I would love to have a template. <laughs> Sign me up. But I can just charge like a hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. it's like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> we don't have to try to find someone to figure this out. And then here's here's a <laughs> gold platter. Uh, go do it. Uh, I think I think the difficulty is every business is so different. Um, and the audience is very different. Uh, so how how things work can be can, like what what worked for Slack may not work for another product like growth company. Uh, what worked for a developer focused company uh, may not work for uh, like you know a, a company that markets to uh, to marketers or or engineers uh, marketers or like uh, product people. Um, so. Um, and then also he, the, the, the additional dimension is, um, stage, uh, ACV and, uh, team, uh, team composite, like, you know, sometimes your early, uh, employees can have an oversized impact on, on your channel. It, like, um, the first growth hire is typically a, a generalist. Uh, which is typically how I how what I would recommend. Um, someone was like five 
um, five-ish five, uh, years of experience, plus or minus, um, who are uh, very scrappy, uh, who probably worked at a company um, just like two, three years ahead of you um, so that they've seen um, something that's a, a little bit more mature, but they're not um, too mature uh, to uh, rely on uh, existing infrastructure or existing like um, institutional knowledge uh, too heavily um, and someone who can just like run multiple channels um, and figure out what, what works best. Um, yeah, so that, that's I typically look for um, that first generalist person. Yeah, yeah. And I think even in the same industries, I think I talk to a lot of people where they're like, well, we're in the same industry and it's a similar, like either direct or indirect competing product. Like they're killing it on X channel. Like let's just go and spend a million dollars and like be there where they are. And I think yes to like all the variables you said, and even in the same industry, like, or even same type of product, it's, it really does come down to product. A lot of the time is like, what's happening once you get people to the site, what's happening people to people once they get into the product, right? Like it's not just channel is the only variable. And I think a lot of the times when you're not a growth marketer, people look at like advertising as like a plug and play tool. Like if we put so many dollars in, this is how much we'll get out invariably. So yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the for for gross especially the devil is really in the details. Um, everyone can say, oh, start with content marketing, start with SEO, right? Like. Uh, of course, like Star Wars SEO and, and content, but uh, that could mean a million different things. It mm -hmm. could be a content on your blog. It mm -hmm. could be content on uh, like third party websites, or it could be content on social media. Uh, and content has all kinds of different formats. Uh, is it uh, like infographics or videos or copy? Um, and then even if we pick one of the dimensions and let's say your blog uh, and like what kind of um, categories or themes, how you organize your different content themes, uh, what kind of audience to target what theme. Uh, <laughs> and then like, you know, that that really comes down to um, the real like execution uh, of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, just, just giving the generic advice of um, for early stage, let's start with content marketing is like, okay, at least, you know, like don't put on ads as your first channel. It's helpful, but like um, the more helpful is actually analyzing uh, what's the positioning and why do people care uh, which, what could be the potential messaging and test out with various different content. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear too. Like, I feel like that positioning and identifying like, okay, where do we want to start even from content marketing or SEO is different. I don't want to say easier when there's a horizontal product versus like a vertical product. Um, because I think your competitor landscape is smaller. Um, yeah. So any thoughts on that front? Oh, I think this is a really interesting topic. A lot of the um, clients I work with are horizontal products. Um, so um, the because it's, 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 it could be very wide, uh, sometimes it can feel uh, generic 
and mm-hmm. say like, oh, we are for everyone uh, mm-hmm. who needs to communicate or, <laughs> or for everyone <laughs> who wants to be productive. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, right. and <laughs> <laughs> for everyone that wants to do their job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially productivity tools, right? And like collaboration tools, that's very easy. And like you, you look at the websites and it all become very similar, even though the actual product is very different. Right. Um, uh, so that's that's my qualms to, uh, uh, to, to, to productivity tools. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the topic? Yeah, I think just like, the strategy in terms of like identifying the right messaging or positioning for horizontal products versus vertical is just totally different. And I think they both have different issues. Like, like you're talking about horizontal products. I feel like that marketing team or the CEO or whoever it is gets really stuck on like, but if we get super specific or if we like take the three highest and best use cases that we know based on whoever's in our existing database or just product usage, things like that, we're like eliminating the possibility of working with all of these other people who our product can be useful for, but not highest and best use. Um, And so it's really hard to get the entire team on board of like, let's focus in on, you know, this persona um, or let's get really specific in our messaging. And that might, you know, leave out this persona or the other Um, where like vertical, I think, opposite spectrum, they get more stuck on like trying to align or misalign their positioning with competitors. Like it's very competitor driven, right? Like who is, who are the top three competitors directly to, you know, this product in this vertical. And I'm going to try to do the positioning that is basically like mismatching whatever they're saying or like differentiating ourselves from them. Um, And I think they both just pigeonhole like, you know, your positioning efforts. Mm-hmm. This is this is real. So I am in the school of uh, let's pick the top three and really win in the top three. Um, and then once we're known and we, we like own these uh, markets and let's expand from there. And, and there's already validation and, um, and and you already learned a lot uh, of how things work and, and, and it's much much, uh, much more scalable from there. But I know um, there's a lot of concerns about if we communicate uh, to just three personas or like three use cases and that can limit us. Um, I wonder how how widespread is that um, worry and what's your opinion around that? Yeah, I think it's like, I think it depends on the team. Um, it depends on mostly like the most fact that I ever hear from is typically like the sales side, like, okay, but if we only have this messaging or these three frameworks for messaging, we're leaving out, you know, or we're leaving these three type personas or use cases on the table. Um, and so really, yeah, like, like everything just comes down to communication and buy-in and strategy at the top of like, here's where we're focusing and focusing doesn't mean we're not going to talk to anybody else, but it means we're focusing here. Uh, one um, potential strategy could be that I, I've seen some some people do is um, use um, a different targeting strategy for marketing versus sales. Yeah. Um, so for marketing, um, let's create landing pages for each of the <laughs> of the personas, right? Like, yes, it's uh, you know it takes some work, but 
creating 10 landing pages with all the possible personas is not that much of a work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like uh, you create vertical pages, you create industry, you know, vertical slash industry pages. You create role based pages, and you can create uh, use case based pages, and all of those like dimensions. Uh, you can already like you know th- uh, that helps with SEO. It helps with uh, just different people finding different things, um, and. For sales, however, uh, because um, it is more labor intensive, uh, it's um, they can like focusing on a cup like a few verticals first, a few like dimensions first, um, mm-hmm. and when in those is probably like a place to start at least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because I do want to talk about this, but total pivot, free trial to paid and the nurture that happens around that. What have you seen that's like tried and true or what are some of the best practices in terms of like, okay, we have this free trial funnel. Um, What is marketing's contribution to getting those people from free trial to paid versus like customer success or the product team or even the sales team, right? should that even be more of a marketing focus or is that where the handoff really lies, you know, to other departments? I think from free, free to paid is needs to be um, cross-functional. Um, so, uh, and, and, and different functions can own different things in uh, of, uh, different pieces of the puzzle. Um, so for marketing, um, a lot of times it's thinking about what's the, what's, uh, what's the trigger for, for paid based on, uh, based on those triggers, um, think about, uh, messaging, um, and think about when to message. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, like a product, um, has a big role in it, like of figuring out those triggers and, and run experiments, but marketing, um, can work on, um, like, user research can work on like different comms plans and even help with writing some of the copies. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, and then depending on product, uh, if it's a self-serve free to paid, um, then, um, CS is typically more of a, uh, as needed function. Um, so there's a scaled CS where, um, the problem is more inbound. It's like, oh, if, if someone has a problem, we solve it, we help to, we help them. Uh, and then there's like more, uh, enterprise focused, um, uh, bespoke, um, CS, uh, is what I call it is like, um, that's when you have like a dedicated CS manager and like help you on board and, and more, uh, more focused. Um, and then, and, and that's more of a, like CS driven sales driven, mm-hmm. um, free, free to paid, uh, and typically used in, in enterprise focused, um, audiences and, and, and products. Yeah. What have you seen? Yeah, I've seen same similar. I've seen it be less focused on the marketing side um, in terms of like, okay, you're responsible for any nurture program to get these free trials converted to paid. And that's a KPI that solely is for marketing to drive um, because it's like, there are just so many other factors outside of marketing's control on that front. And then, yeah, the other thing I was going to float over is like, have you seen that that from like an org structure or like even the growth org structure 
would you have those be separate roles? Obviously, stage is a determining factor depending on your headcount availability availability and things like that. But in the perfect world, would there be like a growth marketer just responsible for the acquisition side? And then from there, like maybe there is somebody who's more product oriented because I feel like those are, depending on who you talk to today, like there are performance marketers slash growth marketers that are really honing in on the acquisition side of like channel mix and that side of the business. And then there are more product focus, which I think tend to be those people that come up as engineers and things like that, that focus on more of the product growth marketing experimentation. So like free to paid. I've, I've seen t- uh, marketing teams uh, working on free to paid. Um, you, you can even, you know, of course, use um, advertising or content or uh, or um, like other other strategies, uh, e- you know, email strategies to help. Uh, free to pay process. So I don't think it's necessarily um, only of a product um, initiative. Uh, they, they work on different aspects of it. Um, so from if it's more of a product chain, like product change within products, then yes, I, I've seen um, I, I've seen the team. It's, it's like a typically a product manager, like a trying to uh, trying to run you know, like different plans, uh, which involves like a core engineering change, uh, and that's when typically a, a PM is is involved. Yeah. Does that get tricky from like an attribution side when you're saying like yes, marketing should be involved from like content or even like just impression based ads stay in front top of mind unless there's like a solid attribution model or like the tracking is properly set up, is it hard to attribute like those marketing efforts to the free to paid conversion? Um, depends on how, how good your tracking is, yeah. of course. Uh, and then in general, I, I feel this needs to be a shared OKR. Uh, and, you know, of course, everyone is uh, ultimately want more revenue. <laughs> uh, so free, free to paid, um, you want um, you, you want that to be on top of everyone's mind. Uh, but uh, because typically people need multiple um, touch points to pay anyways, uh, your email, your email communication, your uh, high touch, um, your um, product experiments can all contribute to that, even though, you know, on the last conversion basis, it, it could be, it could look very different. Um, so um, it's, it's almost uh something that needs like uh, from a from a senior executive perspective marketing and product needs to align and say this is really important and even though sometimes uh it's hard to understand um how much marketing has um helped with this uh we are going to continue to do this because this like it is important um but of course there's other ways of of testing this right like if we send an email uh, uh, for people who send who we send email and people who don't send email, is there any difference in yeah. in the conversion rate? Or um, I remember uh, LinkedIn always LinkedIn or some other company always reserve uh, I think one uh, percent or ten percent uh, like a percentage of their users who's not exposed to any of their experiments. Uh, so so you can. Yeah, you can compare uh, with the control group uh, if any of our marketing efforts or product efforts actually make a difference. 
<laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I think it's like a KPI thing, a shared OKR, the executive team, like saying a little bit to like, it doesn't have to be a complete exact science, but we know it's a lot with like brand marketing too. Like this is important to the business and we know that this works and then finding those ways that we can try to prove lift wherever we can is very similar to like even super high ACV enterprise, like demand gen, right? Like it's the same thing. A lot of the times you have CFOs that'll just nix marketing budgets because they're like dollar in, dollar out, right? But it's like you have an 18 month sales cycle and it's not going to be, they're going to see one ad and buy this, you know, $100,000 product, right? And then there's a buying committee. And so it's finding those ways to say like, you know, engagement or impressions and things like that to build out the lift. Um, but it feels like a similar vibe having been, been exposed to that side of like the free to paid conversion. I feel marketers shy away from it because there is no direct attribution to like on the acquisition side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it comes down to how we think about our work. Um, mm-hmm. If we think about our work as uh, I'm going to do the best for marketing, uh, or like from just marketing perspective, um, it's uh, it can it can create uh, certain silos. If uh, we think from the company perspective, uh, it's like for the company, <laughs> what is the best thing to do? And then that typically like leads to um, a decision uh, that is not locally optimized, um, yeah. but for the overall system. Yeah, totally. Well. I think I want to save all of our other topics for the next coming weeks. This was awesome. Natalie, if you have anything, feel free to chime in. Otherwise, like Holly, I appreciate you jumping on the spot and sharing kind of your growth path. Um, And then next week we have Megan coming. So I'm super excited for that front. Yeah. Episode 11. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining. Bye.